I'm Chris, and this is my Writing Table Podcast, where we talk to authors and other creatives about the writing world and what it takes to create the books that we love to read. Ready? Pull up a chair, and let's begin. Maddie Frost is an author-illustrator from Massachusetts. She has written and illustrated several books and is currently working on her debut early reader graphic novel series titled Wombats. Her obsession with 90s Nickelodeon cartoons started her love for characters and storytelling, and then a love for picture books. She graduated from the Massachusetts College of Art and Design after majoring in animation. Fast forward after years of working as an art teacher, barista, bartender, production designer, and a week as a Barnes & Noble employee, she quit her job to chase the dream of being a full-time, financially stable artist. Fast forward again, after years of saying yes to small projects, getting rejected, and keeping her head above water, her dream finally came true. Maddie is proud, hashtag funny female, in the kid-lit community, and champions all female creators in children's literature. When not making books, Maddie can be found with her dogs. You can meet them on their puppy page on her website. Welcome, Maddie. Hello. Thank you for having me. Tell us how you became a writer and illustrator of children's books. So I've always had a love for art. I went to art school in Boston and I studied animation there. I loved storytelling and characters. Not so much the making things move part. (laughs) It's a very Mm -hmm. tedious job. The people that like it, I give them so much credit. But I really like the design aspect of characters and art direction and stuff like that. And so after I graduated, I thought that like I could just stroll into Pixar and be like, what up? I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) I'm here for my job. I got a couple of interviews at a couple of local and non-local animation studios. I actually ended up getting an interview at Disney Toon Studios in California. I flew out there by myself and I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I just got rejected like right away. It was sort of like I brought my portfolio and with every sort of interview, it was like, you're just not there yet. And I really Uh didn't know what that meant at the time. And I think I just thought like, okay, so that means I stink. I'm not good enough. And so I kind of just put that on hold for a little while. And I became an art teacher and like met my husband now. And so that was sort of like my life. And I really liked being a teacher, doing it for several years. And I sort of just felt flat. I liked where I was teaching and stuff. I think that I just sort of wanted more and my husband can kind of tell, you know, that I wasn't really myself lately. I tell this all the time. It was over dinner one night. (laughs) Maybe it was the wine. I don't know. He asked me and it was like, well, what do you really want to do? And I said, I had been really into just picture books lately. And I was going to the bookstore all the time and just looking at awesome art. And I was like, I think I really want to illustrate and write children's books. And he was like, all right. It was great timing because it's like we were living in this tiny little apartment. It was super cheap rent. We didn't have any kids or pets. And so I had a tiny portfolio of sort of art that I had made that was definitely in the style of children's art. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to try and get an agent. And if I get an agent, then I'm going to quit my job and I'll give myself like six months to kind of, which is all I could afford anyway, to get myself work. And so that's kind of what I did. And then I got an agent, I quit my teaching job and it was just like tiny little 
things coming in at first, projects that I was sort of kind of not super excited about, but I said yes to everything because I really couldn't afford to say no. And I liked it because it was like, I didn't have to be amazing. Like I, I had just enough talent to sort of get started and doing some smaller baby books and, and things like that. And I knew that the more I worked, the better I would get. And I could get to that place where I could eventually write my own books and sort of develop my voice. So it was sort of like, I don't know, it was a very interesting journey so far where I didn't have to be this amazing artist to start getting work. So I kind of built myself up as I as I worked. So, and that's how it all started. <laughs> so I've been doing it for about seven years now. And I pretty much only write and illustrate my own books for now. I admire people who recognize it and just, you do something mm-hmm. else until you can do what you love. It's sort of that weird thing where you just kind of know in your gut that this mm-hmm. is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, And yeah. you can't just wait to be ready. <laughs> you have to throw yourself into the fire and There was so much learning as I went. I had no idea. I didn't have any illustration background. I just had animation and storytelling background. So it was sort of like, what are sketches? What are, what's a gutter? I don't know. So it was definitely just faking it until you make it, you know? I write women's fiction. And so when you write adult fiction, you hear the same things. You're just not quite ready yet. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, what what does this even mean? I'm ready. Just tell me, what class do I need to take? What internship? What workshop? You probably know now that you're where you are now, that there's no way you can be ready until you go through what you have to go through to be ready. It's not great advice to tell new writers because it's kind of disappointing to find out now mm. there's no shortcut. You have there to really isn't. It. And that's what it is. And I think embracing that is what really helped mm-hmm. me is that I sort of learned by just writing crappy stories and making not bad art, I shouldn't say that, (laughs) but just throwing things out there that didn't work and figuring out along the way what did and and those things that did, I still kind of incorporate into my work now, you know, with as far as storytelling, like using panels and yeah. Your stuff is so, I mean, listeners really need to go to your website. It's very colorful. It's very, it's funny meeting you now. Mm-hmm. I see your enthusiasm <laughs> in those pictures that are on your website. You wouldn't think that like the creator looks like the cartoons, but it's the enthusiasm. <laughs> that happens though. I know. It's, it's the happened. enthusiasm you, you have. Your bio said you majored in animation, mm-hmm. but yet you don't want to do animation. No. How do you create it? Like, are you literally using markers? I am hundred percent on Photoshop. So ideas will start in my sketchbook, but then I'll usually go into Photoshop and work hundred percent with digital brushes. It kind of evolved over time. I started out scanning different like textures of like paint swatches and, you know, like putting salt and watercolor and scanning that. And then I would cut out each shape and make pictures with it on the computer. You see a change like style mm-hmm. when I get bored. So that was, yeah, that was my earlier <laughs> phase. I'm really into more of the cartoony style and like line art and then all colored mm-hmm. in Photoshop. So yeah, everything's done on Photoshop and I use a Wacom tablet with a digital pen. She's so. waving her little wand. <laughs> <laughs> no, I so, know you can't see me. That's something that a lot of us don't understand is that mm-hmm. there's a lot more math and engineering to animation and like and yeah, drawing. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. It's like a whole coding system and certain animation like softwares. And I think people who love it are so good at it. And I knew those students 
in college. They just had a knack for motion and gesture and weight and stuff. And and I was way more about creating the look of characters. You are very good at oh, it. Oh, geez, thanks. We talked before we started recording about the capybara. The capybara book caught my eye because, as I told you, my daughter is a former zookeeper. I learned that they are so so sweet. Are. And well, tell us about your sweet capybara book. Well, that came to me actually. I feel like I can't take full credit for the idea because my editor at HarperCollins, Tamar Mays, came to me with the title. And she was like, yeah, and like me, my team, like really love this title about capybara. Cause I think I had a capybara in another manuscript that she had passed on, but she remembered that I did a capybara. So she reached out to me and was and asked if I had, you know, a story for this title, capybara is friends with everyone. I didn't, but like I pretended I was like, yeah, obviously. I, of I course I did. You never yeah. say no. <laughs> yeah. I went to my office and just like worked like a crazy person to come up with a, a couple ideas for a story. And so immediately like, I go to back to my personality, which is like people pleaser going above and beyond and mix that with a little bit of Leslie Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Love Leslie um, Nope. <laughs> I know. I know. She's like my hero. And so I got this personality for Capybara that was just so just eager to please and keep friends happy and go above and beyond. And that's sort of where it all came from. And then Capybara kind of gets exhausted when a sloth isn't responding to his attempts to befriend this new sloth friend and and kind of learns a lesson on how you just don't need to exhaust yourself and your friends will love you no matter what. (laughs) Cool to see big life lessons Mm -hmm. scaled down for younger people. Tell us about Iguana Be a Dragon. Iguana Be a Dragon came from, so this is a Twitter post that I actually shared. It was just a doodle doodle and there was an iguana attached to like three balloons. And I just posted that. I don't know. I thought it was funny. And then a story came from it because I kept thinking about that picture of the iguana attached to the balloons. And I was wondering why is he in the air like what what does he want (laughs) up at night just like thinking really deep thoughts about this iguana (laughs) and then it sort of snowballed from there of creating a character that doesn't feel good enough in this case he gets invited Mm. to a pool party because he moves into a new neighborhood and he's so worried that there are other like amazing animals at the pool party he just is like well like iguanas are green we like the sun (laughs) We don't really have anything special about it. I'm like, that's such a real feeling. For me, that's a real feeling. Yes. I never feel like I'm good enough. Just silly. I mean, I know I am, but still, there's always that thing that's just, I don't know, like I'm never going to be amazing. So he disguises himself as a a dragon. Obviously, those are amazing. (laughs) And it just backfires literally on him and comes full circle. As it always does when you. Try to be somebody you're not. Yeah, that's the yeah, lesson. Yeah, so then. always be yourself is the sort of takeaway. Great lessons. I end up talking to a lot of people who write thrillers and women's fiction and romance and commercial book club mm-hmm. fiction. I know there are people that might be interested in doing this sure. and they need to hear from someone who is doing yeah. it and doing it well. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing you and it's all like coming together where I've always thought, and this is so wrong and don't throw anything at me. I'm not saying it is, but I wonder if it's easy writing a children's book because I mean, you only have like what, 30 pages. I mean, and some of them have illustrators. So like, what do you do say, oh, I came up with this great idea for this story. And then the publisher brings in this really talented illustrator and then it's done. I mean, how cool, how easy is that? I, I know that's not true. No, trust me. If I had a dime for every time, like somebody gives me an idea or 
thinks like, oh, oh I you want to write a children's book about books. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before I knew anything about picture books, I thought, oh, I'm just going to write a story and like, it would be awesome. There's so much more. There's so many little ingredients and puzzle pieces that go into it, you know, and it also has to be I'm not saying the topic has to be trending, but you have to be aware of what is currently on the shelf and try to keep up sort of a finger on the pulse of the industry because talking about fairy princesses and you know princes like personally I'm not looking for those books at the bookstore I want funny characters I want real emotion and humor so yeah there's definitely a whole math equation that goes into Mm -hmm. a successful written manuscript I think my word count when I finish a book is usually about 92, 93,000 words. What is yours? I'm oh curious. Oh, I don't really know because mine are all different. I think there is a set desired amount. I forget what that is. But usually you work in the 32 to 40 page book. I usually will structure it. So you have, you know, a character and the character, we get to know the character. And then we have sort of a problem. And this character has to go on a journey to solve the problem. and either they change or they don't change. So there is like a little structured, there's a formatted structure that we like is a general way to follow along to kind of know how to push your story forward. Mm -hmm. So you kind of want to know, and it's definitely pacing comes into play too, where you don't want to just have a character and then bing, bing, boom, it's a happy day. Right, (laughs) right. There has to be some, something through some problems. Yeah. And, and learning that pacing definitely takes time. I think that's one of the things that I kind of definitely learned throughout writing is just when to throw in the beats, when to throw in, you know, a little bit of suspense or a surprise or, yeah, there's all these little things that like, why am I, why do I want to turn the page? You know? So that's Mm -hmm. the thing you have to keep in mind constantly with children's books is the, what is, going to be on the page before that makes you want to turn the page. How long does it take for you to write the written word? Hmm. And how long does it take for you to illustrate it? I think I usually start on word and I write the story with text. I can sit down and write a story in a day, but then Hmm. I'll put it away for a couple of days and just let it marinate. (laughs) And then I'll open it back up and then I'll probably make some tweaks to it. So like I could probably write a story and maybe get some feedback from my agent within a week. Mm-hmm. And then I would make a dummy. So if I'm mm-hmm. pitching a story I've written and I want to illustrate, then I would then dummy it out, which is just basically add the text to some sketches so they could see what it would look like and do some sample art. But and if it sells, the art for me would probably take, if it's just a 32-page picture book, it would probably take me mm, anywhere from two, two to three months. Wow. And how many of these can you create in a year? Picture books? Oh my gosh. Um, usually two or three. <laughs> I'm never working on one project at one time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel better with more chaos. <laughs> as all writers do, we tend yeah, to kind of punish ourselves as much as possible. <laughs> I think it, it helps, right? Like you get, they kind of all work together weirdly in your brain, I think they feed off of each other, even though they're different. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Sure. yeah. My children were probably in high school when graphic novels 
kind of came into where I was aware of them. Right. And I keep seeing this ongoing debate. And of course, with all the book banning, it just, it throws a whole nonsense angle into it. Whether graphic novels are really reading or not, should we take how the graphic that, novels away? That doesn't even away? make any sense to me. Oh, like, it doesn't. not no, reading? Reading. You're reading the story. Yeah. But <laughs> you are coming out with an early reader graphic novel series called Wombats. Yeah. So where did that come from? <laughs> Well, I really wanted to make a graphic novel, especially because I just think that space is very male dominated. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I want to be like a leading funny female like in this industry. And I want to show young girls that like comics are cool, you know, and they're not yeah. just for boys. Like, I'm not, I don't think they are. They've come, definitely come a long way. And there's so many different kinds of graphic novels, but it started, oh my gosh, it started a few years ago. And I just had I don't think they were originally wombats. I think that they were originally like maybe dogs or something. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I really want them to be sort of a, a random animal because dogs and cats, they've been done. So wombats, I think they're just, they're cool. So they're just these two wombat best friends, sort of inspired by my husband and I's friendship, relationship dynamic. <laughs> and they just, go on these adventures together and they're funny and pickles is a little bit more dramatic and emotional and albert his best friend is a little more level-headed one (laughs) the voice Mm -hmm. of reason and when you have those like foils of each other i think there's just you could put them in any situation and it's just so funny so the first one that comes out in april this april and they go camping and pickles thinks he's going glamping so he's in for a real surprise (laughs) (laughs) well and that that's got to be fun for the parents too I know it is yeah and there's definitely like when I write humor in books I'm definitely just trying to make myself laugh and I'm an adult kid so I feel like hopefully both parents and kids will think it's funny (laughs) as a parent when you get that does two layers where there's stuff that might just go fly right off the top of their head the kids but then the parents it just makes it more fun for you to pick up that book too I didn't think I could do it. It's 96 pages. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever, especially never having illustrated a graphic novel before. I sort of was just like winging it. <laughs> but it, but it, yeah. apparently, yeah, it came out really well. And I, I'll show you the, I know listeners can't see, but I have some of the proofs right here. Oh, cute, cute, cute. <laughs> I think there are some of the artwork on your website too. Oh yeah, so they I can have to go there and look. That's right. This is going to be a series. So how frequent will these be coming out? <clears throat> I'm working on the second one right now and it's supposed to come out I think we wanted to have two books come out in the same year I'm pretty sure it, the problem is is that I'm seven months pregnant well, congratulations <laughs> thank you so and I'm due in February so I'm hoping to finish the second book by February so then it can come out next winter 96 pages is that what you said yeah so mm-hmm. how long does that take oh gosh that takes about five months and that's me working every single day that's like having half a baby (laughs) it is it is it's a lot of work and I remember someone telling me like make sure you love these characters because you're going to draw them over and over and over and over and over again are you able to not really cut and paste are there aspects of them that you can cut and paste there's definitely tricks to the trade. I like to, sometimes I'll draw them in certain positions and then I'll mm-hmm. bring them into Photoshop and I'll kind of layer, like lightly layer them underneath my art. So I can kind of trace and keep it consistent. 
even though they're in different positions and stuff, I, I don't copy and paste, but I'll trace. Yeah. Okay. What do you wish you knew before you began? I wish I knew that it's just a, the whole thing is a process and the whole thing is a journey. It sounds so cheesy, but I think I was just so hard on myself in the mm-hmm. early days of first starting out that I would like pull these all nighters and I would just have these like crying spells. And just because I thought like I wasn't where I wanted to be and I wanted to be there so badly. And I don't even know if I'm there now. I think that there is a, doesn't exist. It's your generation too. I think that you guys are raised to, you get your degree and you go to work. Yeah. If you don't work in a traditional job, then you're also destined to be disappointed because that world does not mesh with this world. And yeah. so it's really hard. I know. And especially like in the art world, I just really wanted to be able to make a living doing this. And it took so long to be able to make the work I wanted to make. Looking back now, like I would never be in this position had I not gone through the mud, you know? Right. I mean, obviously if I could just take, you know, flash forward seven years and just see where I am now, I think I would have been a little easier on myself. Yeah. Just embrace learning and, and failing and being rejected. And it's all part of it. Embrace just, the rejection. Yeah. We get so hard on ourselves and then we think oh, I'm just going to pack up and going to change my job. But I think if anyone's listening who <laughs> wants to do this, just keep going. Like, okay, you failed. They didn't want your story. Write another one. Let go. <laughs> keep yeah. going. Yeah. Do you read other genres? I read thrillers. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, yeah. I have to have balance. I like thrillers. I like murder mysteries. But I also like, like, I like where the crawdads sing and I like adventure stories and little fires everywhere. When you were growing up, what were the things that you saw that you said, oh, I want to do this? Well, it all started when Toy Story, I forget. What did it come out in like the 90s or the early 2000s? I think it was the 90s. I forget. But anyway, I think that was the movie that like really ignited the passion. And then of course, when you have, I don't know if it was on DVD then, but when the DVD started coming out, you could like mm-hmm. go behind the scenes, the extra like directors like inside and see how they made the movie. I used to watch those and be like, oh my gosh, like people draw for a living and like they make characters. And I think once I realized that people do this as a job, I was like, I want to do this. I want to do something like this. That's definitely how it started is just by watching Pixar. Disney movies, animated movies. When it's all said and done, what do you want the legacy of your books to be? I think just joy, maybe. If I could like just sum it up into one word, I feel like if you've just experienced like a smidgen of joy from any of my picture books, I think I've done my job. Thank you so much, yeah. Maddie. Thank Bye. you this so much, fun. Chris. This is great. To learn more, visit maddie-frost.com. If you're enjoying The Writing Table, please consider leaving us a review. There are so many podcasts out there. Reviews help other listeners find us. Thanks so much for your support.